A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, we just want to give you a heads up that in today's episode, we do discuss subject matter that includes discussing sexual assault. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla and we are directionally challenged. Yep, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we aren't in our 30s anymore. I'm joking. We're still in our 30s. (laughs) (laughs) And we still don't have it figured out. We don't have it all figured out. And that's okay. It's really okay. Uh, Can you believe that we are talking about figuring out our holiday plans already? I can't believe like that's what we were just talking about off the mic. And I'm like, how did 2021 go by so fast. We're already trying to figure out what we're going to do for Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Isn't that I mean, wild? I, yes, it feels like we blinked and then it's now the holiday season, but I am so excited about it. I'm ready. I've got my pumpkins on my front porch. We are all in. Um, how are you guys feeling about the holidays coming up? Do you have your decorations out? Are you ready to go? No, I have not. Joe threw away all my Halloween decorations. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I'm very passionate about Halloween. I had a graveyard. I had skeletons. 
he threw them away and s- tried to say that he didn't realize it was the Halloween decoration box or he my knew. costume box. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> okay, I have he a really knew. fun idea for you, though, because don't you guys have a well on your property? No, that was a different. Ha- that was a different house. Oh, that no, one was fine. haunted, I think. Okay, yeah, okay. we looked at a property that had a well and a graveyard, which oh, would have been great. So now I'm like, see, Joe, actually, maybe we should have bought the house with the graveyard. And then he doesn't have to worry about my Halloween decorations anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we're, we're excited for the holidays. I'm not decorating just because we're still in moving boxes. So it's I'm just giving myself grace this year and like not we don't have room for anything else, basically. Right now, I'm still trying to get rid of stuff as opposed to accumulate more things at this point. Um, but we are trying moving to accumulate... Moving is haunting within itself. It, it's exhausting oh and haunting. Gosh. So that's your theme for this year, just moving Exactly. Boxes. Just a bunch of cardboard um, that I <laughs> don't know what to do with. Um, but we're also... I, I We have, you know, we're going to be together for the Thanksgiving and for the holidays. So that'll all be nice. I don't know how much extended family we're having coming in just because we still don't have like enough chairs for anyone to sit on. We're in like that phase of moving. Um, But we're just now starting to look at potential plane tickets, maybe going somewhere for the first time in a really long Mm. time. Um, But how about you in LA? What are you thinking for the holidays? I think we're going to have Thanksgiving at our house. I'm excited to cook. I've been craving all the yummy food that's going to happen. But the truth is, We've talked about it before a few episodes ago, how hard it is to communicate now when we see friends, when we see family, we feel like we've been shut in our houses for so long that the communication is a little bit difficult. So when we see family this year over the holidays, I think that it might also feel that way. Just a little bit of struggling with communication, trying to figure out family dynamics, because let's be honest, the world is constantly changing. There's a lot still going on and everyone has different opinions on things. So it'll be an interesting holiday season. It'll definitely be an interesting one. I feel like that's the most common thing. We met up with um, some friends that we knew here in Nashville um, that we knew from Colorado. And we could all relate to the fact that, that the pandemic has brought up really tough conversations with our families. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast about trying to talk with friends and how do you get together and make sure everyone feels comfortable and everyone feels safe. Um, But it's a whole other level with families. And even if you're in a new place right now where you maybe feel a little bit more comfortable getting together, I feel like the residual stress of this experience and the way we've kind of been forced to communicate for a while um, for our own safety it, it still lingers on. And I feel like that's the most common thing I keep hearing, like coming up with the holidays. It's not just like, oh, are you excited? The holidays are coming. It's, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do because we're not out of the pandemic. We're in the pandemic, but we're, it's not like 2020 version of the holidays, but it feels like that, but maybe it's not. And it just, it, it adds so much tension to trying to figure out how you can even come together as a family, let alone what the heck do you even talk about when you actually do get together as a family to keep it casual and light when everything feels so flipping heavy? That's why today we are going to sit down with Judge Rhonda Wills. She is going to help us so much with all of this. 
Since forming her law firm nearly two decades ago, Wills has recovered over $100 million fighting for the rights of everyday Americans against corporate giants. She is the star of a new courtroom show called Relative Justice with Judge Rhonda Wills, which centers on resolving interfamily legal disputes. Wills dispenses legal advice along with relationship advice dealing with various family disputes, including marital, parental, and sibling conflicts. I can't think of a better person to talk about this subject with. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Judge Rhonda Wills. And we are back with Judge Rhonda Wills. Judge Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, great to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So obviously the holidays are right around the corner. I think everyone's feeling a little bit slightly more comfortable potentially seeing family this year, um, which brings out the the dreaded, always, you know, present uh, family conflict during the holidays. You know, there's no Christmas movie that's just like, and everyone came together and just got along. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we think we need to prepare a little bit for this holiday conflict, which I think is what you've been doing on your show for the past couple of weeks. You are sitting down with families Every week, um, you're seeing family conflict right in front of you play out um, and and presiding over it. So do you have any off the cuff, ready to go advice for what we can expect going into family conflict season 2021? Well, I can tell you that, you know, every day on Relative Justice, we deal with family conflict. Um, Everyone that appears on our show, they're related by blood or marriage or children. So every day I have family conflict come before me. So if I wanted to give sort of some helpful tips to families getting together um, for the holidays, first and foremost, I would say, don't talk politics. (laughs) That that usually doesn't go well. (laughs) Um, Secondly, I think that, you know, holidays are a time when you really want to let bygones be bygones and just get together and enjoy the spirit and the time and just the family coming together. But unfortunately, that's usually a time when, you know, people bring up things like money owed to them or other sorts of of conflicts. Um, Some of them going back, you know, years and years, even decades. Um, So if there, you know, if there are such conflicts, um, if someone owes you money, um, if someone borrowed your car and and wrecked it while they had it, um, you know, if, if someone you know, didn't take care of your dog as they promised you that they would. Um, Whatever the family conflict is, whatever the drama is, it's always best to just sort of put a pin in it for the holidays and just get together with your family and love your family and enjoy being with your family and just not bring up anything that you know is going to lead to an argument. Um, I think one thing we've learned in the pandemic is that, um, you know, we just kind of all took for granted being able to get together with the people that we love for for holidays and special occasions. And then that was sort of snatched away from all of us. And we're now going to hopefully get the opportunity to do that again. So the most important thing is to just come together and love and leave the drama and the conflict and the old hurts and the old wounds behind, sort of put a pin in that and and just, just enjoy being together because you know, this holiday season, unlike others, I think is going to be really special because it may be the first time we, you know, can all get together in, in the last year and a half. 
let's say we're at the table, everyone's sitting down, it's a lovely spread, we're excited to be together, and then someone brings up something that we've been trying to avoid the (laughs) entire time, which happens all the time. What is a good way to avoid that or sort of, I guess, steer the experience and the conversation into something more positive? Well, I think that the most important thing is to not take sides What often happens when there's a conflict between two family members, everybody takes sides and it it literally becomes a family feud at that point where, Mm -hmm. you know, there's this side, you know, there, there's, there's team Joe and then there's team Betty (laughs) And (laughs) and then they're just going at it. So I think the most important thing is to just not take sides and to just to remind everybody, you know, look, this is about the holiday spirit. This is about loving each other. This is about being together. Um, let's like not talk about, you know, your old conflicts, your old wounds, whatever they are. Let's not deal with that right now. Let's just enjoy being together. But I think what happens is when there is a conflict and people start taking sides, then that just causes the whole thing to escalate. And then it literally becomes one team against the other. Do you find that it's changed in recent years? Like in your all your years practicing law, do you think that people have a more like a a deeper need to be right nowadays because of maybe social media or Twitter or how polarizing the times are of just like, no, 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 I have to prove my point. I have to prove my point. And you have to tell me that I'm right and you're wrong. Do you feel like that has increased in the familial arguments that you've seen as of late? Yeah, I do believe that, you know, in the last few years, um, people have become more polarized and um, people have you know, started to take sides, whether it be with politics or social media or social justice or social injustice or being politically correct, people have um, started to take sides and we have become more polarized. And then you find that that sort of bleeds into family gatherings where, um, you know, there are some people in the family, um, especially younger people who are very socially conscious um, and, you know, maybe older family members that aren't so PC and, you know, say things that can create conflict or animosity or um, cause arguments over over just kind of not being PC or, or, or not being, um, I guess, sort of sensitive to where we are in the times that we that we live in. I think the most important thing, though, is for everyone just to take a deep breath and just remember that, you know, your family's not perfect. Um, Mm. but they're still your family. At the end of the day, this is still your family. They're not perfect. They may do things that you don't like. They may even do things that you hate, but as much as you can, you want to put those things aside and really, really try to love each other. Because one thing I think that the pandemic has taught us is that, you know, at the end of the day, really all we have, you know, our family and our friends and everything else kind of falls to the wayside when, um, when, when you're just, when, when you're dealing with the people that you love and the people that love you. Now, there are some family relationships that are extremely toxic. And, um, but if there are really toxic people in your family, you shouldn't be around them. You really want to surround yourself with people that you love and people that you enjoy. So when you get together with the people that you love and that you enjoy, um, even if they say something that you may not agree with, or, you know, you might, that you might not feel as as aware as you would want them to be. I, I think the best thing to do is to just kind of focus on the love and put all the other stuff aside. 
You are so full of fantastic advice. It's so obvious why you are <laughs> reciting um, justice. But I wanted to start from the beginning because now we know you are so wildly successful and lovely, not to mention a mother of four, um, which is such a um, massive success on its own. Who was Rhonda Wills before she became Judge Rhonda Wills? What was your childhood like? Um, can you take us back to the beginning so we can get to know you back then? And what made you want to become a lawyer and then a judge and practice law? Well, so I grew up in this little bitty town in East Texas called Winona. Teeny tiny town, um, you know, fewer than 5,000 residents. So everybody knew everybody. It was a small farming community. And um, so I grew up from, you know, the age of like eight years old, um, working on a farm and like literally working, um, picking produce in in fields and, and working with my aunts and my uncles and my cousins and my grandparents um, so it was a really, really, um, you know, it was a life where we didn't have much money. We were very, very poor. I mean, probably a level of poverty that most people in this country wouldn't even understand. Um, but so I grew up really, really poor. Um, I'm one of five children. My grandmother had 10 children. Um, I have more than 50 first cousins. Um, so I'm from this really huge, huge family. Um, you know, I graduated from the high, same high school that my mom graduated from, that my grandmother graduated from. So generations were from this little town. Um, I grew up reading lots of books and always knowing that there was a world outside of the little town that I grew up in. Um, and I also um, did a lot of studying. I was very into social injustice in particular and injustice in the world. And I've always had this just burning desire to help people. And so I decided very, very early on that I wanted to be a lawyer. I started trying to figure out how I could help people where there was injustice. And I felt the only way that I, little me, could make any difference in the world was, was to be a lawyer. Um, and so even as a little girl, um, I knew that's what I wanted to be. I didn't know how I was going to be able to do it. Uh, no one in my family had ever even graduated from college. So it was sort of, you know, this, this dream, but my, my mother, my grandmother, um, my grandfather all encouraged me. And they, they always told me, you just work really, really, really hard. And, and with hard work, success will come. It will come. Senior year, I, I did really well. I was the first black valedictorian of my little town, which was a really big deal right. from this little town in East Texas. I was a National Merit Scholar. And because I did so well, um, one day I got a letter in the mail um, without even having applied from the University of Texas at Austin, which is the largest school, the premier school in Texas. They just sent me a letter one day and said, you have not applied to our school, <gasps> but you're automatically admitted. And wow. we're, we, we're going to give you a full scholarship. And, wow. Um, yeah. So I um I, I didn't even believe it at first. My mother was like, oh, I, I, I don't believe it. And we didn't even have a phone in our house. We had to go over to my aunt's house and call the school to make sure that it was legit. Or like, is this really real? I mean, she hasn't even applied. And they said, yeah, it is. And um, it, we, and my mother's like, she'll, she'll be there. <laughs> she accepts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's how I went off to the University of Texas and um, worked really hard, did really well. Then they gave me a full scholarship to law school. <laughs> Did well there. My grandmother used to always tell me, you're going to come up against a lot of people who will be 
you know, wealthier than you from, you know, a more prestigious background who will have had better schools, um, better opportunities, um, and they may even be smarter than you are. But the one thing that you can always control is how hard you work. Never, ever, ever let anyone outwork you. And that's always been my mantra. The one thing I can control is how hard I work. And so I've always had this really crazy work ethic. Um, and I knew that, um, you know, once I finished law school, I went to work at a big law firm for a while, um, but I really didn't enjoy it because I represented big corporations and I knew that wasn't the side that I wanted to be on. I wanted to help people. That's why I went to law school to help people. You know, I, I knew the plight of, you know, people that I grew up with, poor people, people that, that wouldn't have a voice that corporations stepped on people that, you know, a lot of people really couldn't identify with or understand. Well, I understand them because that, that's how I grew up. That's my family. Um, and so I left the big firm and started my own practice. And I started just representing everyday Americans, um, doing lots of cases representing um, women in particular in sexual harassment cases, um, gender discrimination cases, um, pay disparity cases, a lot of um, racial discrimination cases, um, a lot of, of employment cases um, where people were oh, injured at work or had horrible things happen to them at work. For example, I represented a woman once who was raped in the bathroom stall at work um, because she was working at a factory with men that felt like she shouldn't be working there. Um, and so a couple of the guys went in the bathroom and raped her and said, I guess you'll quit now. I took on those kinds of cases. Um, you know, I've you know represented children that were... Um, abused and assaulted in churches and schools and things like that. And so I just took on this mantra of representing people that um, would not have a voice, but for me helping them. And I did it because I just, I always wanted to help people and I understand people. I've done a lot of um, wage disparity um, and pay um, inequity cases where people aren't paid fair wages. And I, I understand that for a lot of people, they think, well, you know, what's the big deal if people work an extra five hours a week and they don't get paid for it? You know, you know, what's the big deal? Well, see, I grew up with a mother who worked two jobs to support five children. Um, she was a single mother most of my life. My parents split up when I was young. So I know the difference that, you know, those five hours can make um, with a family that's trying to put food on the table. Um, so I just, I wanted to represent those people. And fortunately for me, it wound up being lucrative. Um, I just went into it to help people, but it wound up being lucrative because, um, you know, I, I fought for them. I had one case um, against Wells Fargo that I settled for $20 million um, where they had not paid people fairly across the country. Um, so I, and, and I, um, you know, I, I represented a woman who was raped um, at her apartment complex, uh, gang raped, in fact, with her, her 10 year old daughter there and her husband tied up in the closet. She was gang raped in her apartment. And it turns out that the company um, that leased her apartment to her just a few months before a woman right across the hallway had been raped. And they didn't tell her that when she moved in. And even after that woman had been raped, they didn't get any security at the complex, didn't give her any warning. And she moved in. And shortly after that, the same thing happened to her. So I went after that company and you know, I couldn't change what had happened to her and her family. Like no one could ever change that. It was like horrific. Um, but I knew that without getting her 
some sort of monetary justice, she would always feel victimized. She would never feel that she was in any way empowered against them. Um, and I knew that she wouldn't be able to go and get um, the kind of trauma therapy and um, treatment that she would need in order to start rebuilding her life, the therapy that her daughter would need um, in order to start trying to rebuild her life and get past something so traumatic and horrific. Well, and it's the accountability and showing that this yes. happened to you. It matters. Your story matters. Yes. You matter. And no one in the world is going to tell you that, oh, well, it was, you know, it didn't affect us. So it's like, no, no, no. It affected you. Like it affects like the ripple effect of mm -hmm. the carelessness of that company not to install. Yes. And any... then they got they got insecurity after that. <laughs> it's so exactly. funny. There when, we you, go. when you hit them in the pocketbooks, it brings about change. It's funny how that happens. Um, well, you can hear <laughs> but with through the passion of your voice that obviously the advice that your uh, grandmother, your family gave to you of just you work hard you know, you put your heart into it and, and success, you will find success at the other side of that. Like it, it's beautiful to, that that's where it started and look where you are now. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so <laughs> delicious. <laughs> 
I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back do you feel comfortable talking about the sexual harassment suit that you filed against the initial law firm that you worked with I would assume that that was a big part of why you wanted to help others who had maybe been in a position that you found yourself in absolutely yeah so I went to this firm and um I was sexually harassed there and I was already very unhappy working there. I represented really big corporations and was very successful at doing it. But it wasn't, um, it paid very, very well, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do. And the sexual harassment got really bad. And it's, it's hard to explain to anyone what it's like and what it does to you as a woman to go through that kind of trauma and how it um, starts to eat you up inside, causes you to, to lose sleep. I, I started um, developing an ulcer. And so after I left there, I was so devastated by what happened to me um, and so traumatized by what happened to me that I thought about just giving up the practice of law. I mean, it was, it was that bad for me that that's, you know, I'm just this young girl, country girl who, you know, gets her first job out of law school at this big firm and big prestigious firm. And, um, to have that happen to me, nothing in life had ever prepared me for something like that. It was really devastating for me, really devastating. When I was trying to decide what to do, I went back home to Winona to my grandparents and, and sat with my grandmother and I talked to my grandmother about it. And she said this, you know, you went to law school to help people start helping people just to start helping people. You don't, don't allow anyone to take your dream away from you. So I got into therapy myself, which was very helpful. And I decided that I wanted to help, especially other women. And of course, men also are sexually harassed, but I especially wanted to help other women who had been through what I went through. 
Um, and that's, that's how I started my law practice. I literally started my law practice with no clients, no money, nothing. Um, I, you know, lost my, my, my job. And, um, so I just, I just started and, and, um, contacted the EEOC and let them know that I was available if, if, um, if there were any cases that they wanted to refer to me and, and I started getting cases and eventually uh, my case against the law firm was settled in my favor. And, um, I moved on from there, but when I take sexual harassment cases and I represent, um, women that have this happen to them, I understand when they, they talk to me about their pain and what they've gone through and what they've experienced. I mean, sometimes we cry together because I understand, I, I feel what they feel and I know what they're going through and I know how traumatic it is. So when I go into court and represent them, I completely understand and I'm able to express to a court and a jury um, how they feel because I've felt it and I've been there. I can imagine one of the hardest parts of this experience for you would be choosing what cases to take on and which ones to not, which ones to let go of or pass along to someone else who can handle it. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that decision process is? Because even as I was researching you, I thought, wow, that's got to be probably one of the hardest parts of all of this too. I take those cases that I feel passionate about. Um, and where I feel that the person um, has been victimized, um, that their their case is legitimate, and that there is a definite defendant or defendants. There are defendants that we can point to to right this wrong, and then I go after them, uh, plain and simple. Um, and um, I have represented dozens and dozens of women have been sexually assaulted and sexually harassed. And um, when I go after a corporation, I go after them hard. I go hard. Um, I fight against them as if this woman that I'm representing, if she was my sister, um, my mother, my daughter, I go after them and I go after them hard. And um, so I take those cases that I feel passionate about and then I go hard. What's one of the biggest lessons? I mean, you've had your practice for a long time at this point. Um, from the day that you opened your doors to now, what is something, a piece of advice that you would have told yourself um, when you first opened your own practice? I think probably the hardest thing for me, and you can probably tell this about me, is that um, I really connect with people. I really connect with people and I care. I care so deeply for my clients and I become very, I don't take on tons of cases. I really take on just enough cases that I'm going to personally handle so that I can be personally involved. Um, I have some clients that I represented, for example, children that I represented that are adults now, and they still stay in touch with me. So many of my clients still stay in touch with me because I, I genuinely care about them and I, I form an attachment to them and their families. And um, so I think I would... <laughs> try to advise myself to be a little more detached, but it wouldn't work because I'm just, <laughs> I'm someone who just, I, I, 
You know, for example, on relative justice, why don't we talk about the show for a sec? Yeah, that I was going to say, of course, you definitely just... <laughs> connect to everyone because you have this incredible show. One thing that I love about relative justice is that I, I get to meet these amazing families and they share their stories with me. And sometimes, you know, in resolving their disputes and helping them, I always want to try to bring people together and try to resolve their disputes. But I become so connected with them. And um, even now, I, I sometimes I wonder about several of them. And I'm hoping that, you know, if we have a season two, we'll be able to follow up with some of the litigants because I, um, I still think about them if, if things have worked out. Um, some of the stories that these families share with us, they're really funny. I mean, like, they're so funny that I'm like, I'm laughing so hard, I can barely get my ruling out. And others, it's so, so emotional that it's hard for me to not cry. I mean, like the litigants will be crying. Everybody in the gallery will be, the whole audience, they'll be crying. And it's it's hard for me um, to not because I've become so connected with them and I love to hear their stories. Um, we had a case and actually an episode that aired last week um, with uh, a young woman who was suing her grandmother, which kind of made me step back because my grandmother was one of the most influential people in my life. I was very close to her, but she was suing her grandmother because she got the stimulus check and her grandmother kept the check and she wanted her grandmother to pay her back her money. She's like, it was my stimulus and you kept it. So on the surface, it looked like a pretty straightforward case. You know, if her grandmother could not claim her as a dependent, she couldn't keep the stimulus money. She needed to pay her back. So the grandmother, the um, plaintiff and so it was the daughter, her mother, and her grandmother all appeared. And um, they were explaining to me what happened in the living situation and why, you know, the grandmother could or could not uh, keep the stimulus check. And in talking to them and learning about their family and their story, it came out that the girl did not stay with her grandmother because she had been molested while living at her grandmother's house. And um, the molester was... Um, someone that her grandmother knew um, that was still around the grandmother's house. So she said, there's no way I was living with my grandmother. I was raped there. And it turns out that the grandmother knew. Um, and the grandmother then revealed in court that she herself had been sexually abused as a girl. And then it came up that the mother, she herself had also been sexually abused. So three generations of women who'd all been sexually abused. And the, um, the grandmother was irate that her granddaughter would come into court and reveal that. And I said, you know, these family secrets, you're, this is destroying her. You're asking her, this is her truth. She has to be able to tell her truth. And she doesn't need to keep this as a secret anymore. She has a right to let you know how much you've hurt her and to reveal what happened to her so that she can start healing. And um, I referred her to trauma therapy uh, because that's helped so many of my clients who've been sexually assaulted. And um, the grandmother was so irate that I had to have the bailiff escort her out of the courtroom because she wanted to hold on to the family secrets so deeply. And she was so angry that the granddaughter was revealing their family secrets. And I tried to explain to her that those sorts of family secrets are toxic. And you can't keep holding that. Then another generation will follow right along. You have three generations standing in front of me who've all been sexually assaulted and, and molested and abused. The abuse has to stop right now. 
And it stops with her because she's going to reveal it. She's going to deal with it and she's going to get help for it. Um, so I think about her. And um, when I watched the episode last week, I just kept thinking about her and I'm hoping that she's following through on her therapy and that she's doing better and that she's walking in her light and her truth um, and that she's becoming a stronger young woman. Wow. I mean, I think it's incredibly um, bold and brave to specifically choose a familial theme to relative justice. I think that, you know, we're a culture that is obsessed with like murder documentaries and crime and true crime. And um, and I think that's almost like sadly and terrifyingly more easy to watch <laughs> than like sometimes the reality of just family, um, the weight of family arguments, um, family history, family trauma, because um, it's real. And it's something that we all on one level or another can really relate to. And it and it can hurt deeply. Um, is there a is there a reason or a, something that a, a thought that made you go, this is where I want the show to live? I want the show to talk about familial justice and also just familial trauma and how I can take a part in um, helping people solve some of these uh, questions, arguments and issues. Well, so when I was approached about doing this project, I, I've been approached about other television projects that I passed on, but when I was approached about this one and they told me that the theme of it would be, you know, small claims court, but with families, they said, well, you know, we will let you, you'll be the judge. You, you handle these cases the way that you see fit and you'll have families coming before you. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm in, this sounds perfect because, um, I work with families a lot in my law practice. Um, I'm from a big family. Um, and so this show combined the two things that I love most in this world, the law and family. And so this gave me an opportunity to sort of combine those two. And, um, you know, when I discussed with them sort of my ideas for the show and they were like, that sounds perfect. I told them, look, I'd like this to not just be about deciding who's right and wrong and who gets the money and who doesn't, I really want to, you know, where I can bring families back together because oftentimes a thousand dollar dispute can cause people to not speak for, for years, just over something that small. Um, and oftentimes if you look behind, you know, the $1,000 dispute, there's something much deeper there that's causing a rift in this family. And sometimes people just need to talk about it, get it out in the open and deal with it and heal from it and move on. Um, and so that's what I try to do. Although there are some, there were, there have been, there were some families that came before me where it was so toxic. Um, I told them, you, you, you guys need to stay apart. Um, mm -hmm. there was one case in particular that stands out where, um, it was a woman suing her first cousin and she was suing her first cousin because her first cousin, um, allowed, she loaned her her car and she allowed her car, um, to be broken into and her stuff was stolen out of the car while her cousin had borrowed it. Well, the cousin had parked the car at our hotel and that's when the car got broken into at the hotel. And it turns out her first cousin, her closest relative in the world was at the hotel with her husband having <gasps> an affair with him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Double whammy. Yeah. It was. <sighs> that's yeah. a shocker. That's a hard it's one. Like, that's a hard so one. I broke into your car <laughs> and I broke into your husband. Like, yeah. right. <laughs> Yeah, well, while they were stealing your stuff, I was stealing your husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's one thing I love so much about relative justice and watching you on it is there are those, you know, really 
traumatic experiences that you've been able to help them mend. But then there's also lots of laughter and lots of funny moments. And uh, I've even seen some people dancing on there. So I can see (laughs) how you would want to check back in with these families and all of that. Um, And it just looks like so much fun to watch because you can cry in an episode, you can laugh in an episode. It seems like you guys have, it's so well-rounded. And yeah, I mean, it's just like families, right? So sometimes when you get together with family, you guys are laughing and joking and and it's just funny and you're just, you're having a blast. People are literally, it's just everybody's laughing, having fun, right? And there are other times when family gets together and there are arguments and, and you're going at each other and it's just, you know, everybody's arguing. And then there are other times family gets together and it's just emotional. There's something and you're dealing with it and it's emotional and you cry it out and you hug it out. And that's what relative justice brings to you. It's like you kind of look inside of, you take the things that would normally happen in the dining room or the family room and you bring them into my courtroom. And these families share their stories with us. And I think we'll all find that the stories that they're sharing, um, you know, a lot of them are very familiar. I know for me, every case that came before me, it was it was either something I dealt with, someone in my family had dealt with one of my friends or their family members had dealt with, or some of my clients had dealt with. So all of it, you know, they're just familiar themes that we can all deal with. You know, with family, sometimes you laugh, sometimes you cry, and sometimes you fight. So so we kind of get that whole spectrum um, on relative justice. So you kind of have to tune in every day because you just don't know what family and what family drama you're going to get that day. I mean, at this point, you have way over 150 episodes in the can. But I want to know, what is there like one specific thing that people fight about the most? My guess is money. That's my guess. Am I right? Absolutely. (laughs) People fight about money. The number one thing is there's, you know, I loan them money. Really? I thought that was a gift. You want to get paid back? Eek! (laughs) Who knew? It's like, could the lesson be like, everyone just needs to stop loaning each other money in familial, like... (laughs) Or get it in writing so everybody understands what the terms are, what the parameters are, what the expectations are. Because what I hear over and over again is, we're a family. And I just thought they were helping me out and... Who knew they wanted to be paid back? Really? So if family's <laughs> getting together this holiday season and someone asks them like, hey, I just need to borrow like 500 bucks, then could someone just take out a piece of paper and write like, I am loaning you $500. You owe me by this point, you know, of next right. year to pay me back. And that's Absolutely. a legal contract. Yes. So you want to get it in writing. You want to be as specific as possible. You want to state the amount. You want to state when the amount is due the fact that it is indeed a loan and um, what the expectations are. If you're going to do a payment plan, if you want to lump sum and when you expect to be paid back. So yeah, get all that in writing. And do text messages and emails count or do you mean a physical, like physically sit down and write it? Yeah, it's best if you get something called a promissory note, which can literally just be a handwritten note with all the terms on it. But yeah, it's, it's good and have both parties sign it. Okay. So that everybody's really clear, it's signed, it's dated. There's no question about what's going on here. Um, I had one litigant that came in with the promissory note on a cocktail napkin. And I was like, here's your contract. <laughs> <laughs> it works. And you're going to have to stick to it. It works. Yeah. 
works. <laughs> so when all families coming over for Thanksgiving this year, do I just make sure I have promissory notes of, hey, make sure you are in charge of bringing the turkey. And it is yeah. <laughs> due to be ready at 4 p.m. on this date. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, you know, unless you want them to sue you over it, it's probably yeah. <laughs> best to get that away. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, I do have a personal question because I, you know, we've all been in quarantine with our significant others. And I have to ask, anytime I know anyone that's a lawyer, I'm like, when you throw down with your spouse, like, is it just like you are ready to go and like litigate your way out of an argument? Like, does your partner ever have to be like, stop, you are not a lawyer right now? Because my husband isn't a lawyer, but I always have to tell him like, you're not a lawyer. So stop trying to be one in this argument and just talk with you know, I get that all the time. And my kids, especially, they're like, am I being cross-examined here? <laughs> I mean, do I need a lawyer? Because I feel yeah. like I'm being cross-examined. <laughs> you know, I'm going to plead the fifth here, mom. <laughs> because, like, honey, yeah, just I sign just... this contract and then we're good. It's just about the yeah. homework and chores. Just sign the contract. Yeah. So um, I actually, I actually win. When my kids like want more allowance and more money, I have them put it in writing. Um, my uh, my daughter, um, when she wants something, you know, like she wanted to go on this trip. And so I told her, well, you know what? Why don't you write me a letter about it? Put it in writing. So instead she did a PowerPoint. She's like, I know how much you love PowerPoints. Here's my PowerPoint presentation, mom. And I'm like, oh my God, I am really raising a future lawyer here. <laughs> 
okay, the PowerPoint was so impressive. I had to say yes after that. That's amazing. That's amazing. What a remarkable daughter. That's one thing I really wanted to ask you in um, after this. I, you have accomplished so much and you are also a mother of four. You, How do you do it all? How do you do it all? Are there any secrets you can share with us? Candace and I are mothers ourselves. And sometimes it just feels like so much on your plate. You know what? I just tell everyone that the hardest job you will ever do is being a working mom. My hat's off to all moms, but all moms are working moms, whether your work is primarily in the home, taking care of your home and your kids, or if you're taking care of your home and your kids and you're doing another job outside of the home, it's just the hardest job you will ever do. And I always tell moms, and this is something I've had to learn, is to be kinder to myself and more forgiving of myself and to totally drop the expectation that you need to be perfect. You don't need to be perfect. All you need to do is bring your best and do your best. And there will be some days you'll be a better mom than you are, um, you know, at your, your career. And there are other days you'll kill it in your career, but you might, you know, forget you're supposed to bring snacks today (laughs) and the kids don't have snacks at school, but you can't beat yourself up. All you can do is try to be the best that you can be every day because kids don't want perfection. They just want you to be involved, engaged. You know, so what if they go to school one day with mismatched socks? That's not the end of the world. They just they just want you to be there to love them, to give them support, care, and you just give it your best and keep lots of calendars. Keep lots and lots of calendars <laughs> to keep up with all their dates, their play dates, you know, parent teacher conferences, you know, then client meetings, <laughs> courtroom appearances. You, keep lots of calendars. (laughs) That's my best advice. (laughs) Something that you talked about earlier that I don't feel usually comes out of a lawyer's mouth is how encouraging you are of therapy and encouraging your clients to seek counseling. Um, And even on your show, Relative Justice, you know, you're inviting um, the families that you're talking with to take care of themselves through this other um, means. But have have you always been open to that? We love therapy. Kayla's mom is a therapist. We are all about right. therapy on this show. And so I just Perfect. think it's incredibly powerful as a lawyer that you're also um, encouraging your clients to explore therapy as well. Is that normal? Is that common? I don't know. But if it's not, I want to encourage everyone to make it more common. You know, there's so much stigma attached to getting therapy, um, seeing um, a mental health provider, taking care of your mental health. I think people, what people don't understand is if you slip and break your ankle, you're going to go get an x-ray. You're going to go to a doctor. Maybe you'll get a cast. Maybe you'll get some crutches. You're going to go to physical therapy. You're going to do whatever you need to do to get your ankle functioning again. Why do we treat physical injuries differently than we do mental anguish, mental trauma, and mental health? Because you really need, you got to have both. You need mental health and physical health. And if you don't have both, you're just not going to be healthy. So the stigma needs to just go away. It just needs to go away. I mean, it's, it's, it's so outdated. Mental health is just as important as physical health. And oftentimes mental health impacts physical health. And if people only realize that a lot of high blood pressure, Um, A lot of physical ailments that people have would go away if they took care of a lot of the mental um, health issues that they're dealing with, because that's, you know, what causes the stress and causes high blood pressure and causes people to have insomnia and a lot of other 
a, a lot of other problems. Um, I really, really learned this when um, I was going through my sexual harassment and I went to a therapist for the first time in my life. That's, that's what drove me to therapy. Um, I was having all of these physical problems. I couldn't sleep. Um, I couldn't eat. I was losing weight. I was developing an ulcer. Um, I was getting hives, um, just all kinds of horrible physical things. And then when I started going to therapy, um, all that went away. It just all went away. And I realized I learned then I have to take care of my mental health. Mm. Um, I have to take care of myself mentally in order to be well physically. And so I, I learned that lesson then. And with my clients, I, when I see, I see that they need the help. I always refer them to get um, therapy, to get counseling. And for people that have been through something like sexual harassment or any other kind of trauma, um, there are different kinds of trauma that people can have. I always recommend trauma therapy because that's very helpful also. And it's been helpful to so many of my clients. So when litigants come before me on relative justice and I see that, um, you know, this family in order to heal or this person in order to heal, they're going to need to deal with the mental trauma and the anguish um, in order to heal and to have their best life then I refer them to that. And I try to get them to get counseling. Oftentimes, you know, I, a lot of people, some people that came on the show had drug issues or alcoholism. And I would also refer them to counseling and therapy and help because there's just so much stigma attached to getting help. Um, in order for us to live our best life, we just need to get help, all of us. I mean, nobody's perfect. No one's perfect. And so I think that we should all do everything that we can to live our best life and be at peace and be happy. And oftentimes that just requires going and seeing someone and, and getting some help and taking care of our mental health first. One final question, because we won't take up any more of your time, but it's a silly fun one. Um, since premiering, how has relative justice changed your life? And has have your kids watched you on TV? And are they <laughs> your biggest fans? <laughs> so my kids have watched a few episodes and it, but it's kind of weird for them, you know, seeing mom on TV every day because the show, <laughs> the show airs Monday through Friday. And um, so it's kind of weird for them, their friends and <laughs> everybody, you know, oh, your mom's on TV every day. Um, for them, I'm just mom. It's just, I'm not Judge Rhonda. I'm not attorney. Rhonda Wills. I'm, I'm none of that. I'm just mom. And so for them, it's just like, okay, great. So like, what are we having for dinner? Right. <laughs> it's like, what are we having for dinner? Uh, my daughter's 15 and she's going to her first homecoming dance. And her whole question is, can we go to some more stores? I haven't found the perfect dress yet. <laughs> so, I mean, she's like, I don't care about, you know, your interviews and your TV show and promoting it. None of that matters. I'm just mom to them. Yeah. And um, so, you know, for, you know, for other people, maybe it's changed things, but for my family, you know, it's just, I'm just mom. I cook dinner every day. I drove carpool this morning. <laughs> so yeah. I just, um, I'm, you know, I'm just a wife and mom at home and um, you know, I'm just, I feel so fortunate and delighted that I get an opportunity to come into people's um, living rooms every day on relative justice. And hopefully, um, you know, through this show, I'm, I'm helping people, I'm making people laugh, I'm 
maybe making people cry sometimes, but I'm just in entertaining people and, and giving people an opportunity to share the uh, stories and lives of these families. Well, Judge Rhonda, I hope at one point on Relative Justice, we get to see your daughter with a PowerPoint presentation who comes in and puts <laughs> the doors down and is like, Mom, it's my turn. <laughs> um, we cannot, just congratulations on your show, you. Relative Justice. It's fantastic. We're so excited to be watching um, every day. I also have to know, I can't believe I didn't get the end of the story. What happened to that woman with the cheating husband with the cousin in the car? Did she win? Okay. You got to tune in to see. You got to tune in to see. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. I promise you. you oh, I can't wait. I can't yes. wait. Well, Judge Rhonda Wills, thank you so much for joining us today. We so appreciate all your wisdom and advice. And we will tune in every day to Relative Justice and see your beautiful face. Oh, thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm thinking... Instead of placemats this year, when I serve my Thanksgiving dinner, I'll just have a bunch of contracts sitting out for family <laughs> just in case there happens to be some sort of dispute and they want to lend each other money or something. I love that Judge Rhonda even is already instilling that in her daughter. Like, hey, if you're really serious about this and we're making a deal, let's put it in writing. I mean, we know the power of the pen and the pencil of just like even like our own habit forming abilities that if you put it down in writing, you're more likely to do it. Um, mm -hmm. It's it, it's better for like goal making. It's better for your own like free writing is an incredible therapy. But I also think that, you know, that that's a great way to resolve potential future conflict. I mean, the fact that she admitted that money is the number one thing that she sees, not only in our courtroom, but we all know this, that lending money to family members usually does not end well. And so if everyone just had this contract ahead of time, how like that could actually not that you're going to have family asking you for money for the holidays. That's, I know you were. I'll keep you posted. It's never happened before, but <laughs> never say never. <laughs> it, it, I feel like, yeah, family conflict is a whole other level of conflict. And I think it gets harder. I have found myself like if I look back to when I'm in my teens and 20s, I think in my teens, it was easier to just be mad, just mad at any sort of adult authority figure. And then in my 20s, when I learned to be that I was becoming an adult and what that entailed, I was much more forgiving of, you know, any sort of potential like little arguments or disagreements um, amongst family. And then now in my 30s, I have the hardest time letting go. I just it, like there's a whole other like level playing field of wanting to like resolve it. And of course, my version of resolve is like, like, I want to be I want I like have to be heard as opposed to just like letting it go. Because it, it is it's exactly what Dronda is saying. Like, there's so many instances where it's like you're not going to see eye to eye as a family and you just need to come together because you're family and just like enjoy a meal. And then let some stuff go. Do you feel like you're at a point? Do you do you relate to any of that in your 30s? Oh, is absolutely. That I think that's why that saying choose your choose your battles is so important. And people I, I keep telling myself that. And I think I've heard that from friends and family as well. Um, and I think that's something that we learn in our 30s is to kind of understand ourselves and how we handle issues and then 
how that relates to our family and how they handle issues. And we just start to kind of understand each individual as a whole. Um, So hopefully we won't have any conflict this year at Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything that we celebrate, whatever you celebrate. We hope you guys have a lovely time being together and that there's no contracts necessary. And if necessary, there will be relative justice. <laughs> we hope you guys that have too enjoyed. <laughs> I liked it. Mel, I'm it. looking at your face. <laughs> I did not get a laugh from producer Mel. I don't know. I don't know. We might have to cut it. <laughs> I say we leave it in. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged. We have another great one coming for you next week. We'll see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Edited by Katrina Henning. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.